Hey there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Combos with Kamal. Before we start, I just wanted to preface the show by saying this episode will be a little bit different for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that it was actually conducted via Google Meet, something you'll probably be able to tell when you hear the audio. The other reason is because I actually made this episode to raise awareness on some equality issues I've been researching a little bit more about, specifically limited access to education and more topically, the Black Lives Matter movement. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Combos with Cobble. I'm your host, Kamal Karimi, and I'm post- pleased to be joined by three people I'm proud to call friends and teammates on my soccer team, Jesse Diaz, Luke Diaz, and Shelby Parkinson. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. Uh, so, yeah, so before we get into the main conversation, which will probably end up being a little bit more heavy based on the uh, news that's been dominating our past week, and rightly so, I don't think we should be ignoring uh, talking about those issues. Uh, I wanted to see how you guys have been doing these last few months and what you guys have been uh, been up to to keep busy during the past uh, quarantine. So, Jesse, why don't you, why don't you kick us off? Uh, what have you been up to? First of all, thanks for having us, Carmel. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Um, what I've been doing is working for my dad, um, working on his charity that the three of us have been working on, which I'll, uh, we'll touch on later. And then... Uh, I've been doing some stuff on Instagram, just interviewing people with all the current events going on and stuff like that. So, nice. Yeah, just trying to stay a little bit fit and stuff. And yeah, nice. And uh, Jesse or Luke, you're uh, Jesse's little brother. What have you been up to? Uh, hopefully, not pissing Jesse off too much during this uh, quarantine. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so I just moved into the same house that Jesse moved out to, so we're both out of uh, the parents' place now. So I just right. follow him around, give him a tough time all day. Um, <laughs> No, but I've been out recently, so I switched to a full plant-based diet that I cook at home, so I don't limit myself otherwise, but that's wow. a big change I've made in my life. Wow. That, staying really active, working for my dad, Central Lab also, I'm hoping to take over that uh, here shortly. Nice. So it's a big part of my life right now, and uh, yeah, staying active, and then working really hard on this in the school project, which we're going to talk about later. And I just want to say thanks a lot, Kamal, for having us on here, giving yeah. us the opportunity to talk. No worries, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It seems like you've been super busy. Yeah, definitely a lot more busy than I've been these last few months. Um, Shelby, what about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I was about to say, like, I'm not to follow up that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just been, yeah, trying to stay fit a bit. Um, my mom's just doing, hey, here's 27 jobs I want to do around the house. You can do them now. You have no time. I'm like, great. Yeah, the struggles yeah. of living at home, <laughs> right? It's been, like, standing decks painting fences, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of been experiencing that. Nice, man, nice. At least you've been keeping at least physically fit a, a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so um, what I've been, uh, I don't know what you guys have been keeping up with. Obviously, we're all uh, on the same footy team, so not too much footy to watch. Have you guys been watching any of the uh, Bundesliga that's come back into play? I saw a couple of moments, yeah. No, I just watched a bit of it, watching highlights and stuff like that. I don't have access to any right. um, channels for it, but I guess I could bring up my old laptop and start streaming it that way. I'm kind of waiting for the Portuguese League to start and the Premier League to start again to get... Right, the Portuguese League is, it, is starting up again soon, isn't it? Yeah, I think this weekend. Nice. Nice. Oh, this weekend? Yeah. 
I know uh, I know La Liga is starting up next week as well, which is um, a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Some people are predicting it's a little bit early based on the uh, the numbers that are coming out of Spain. Um, what are you guys' thoughts yeah, that's on, a, that's a, on that? Yeah, on sorry, a, I just had a question. What do you guys think about, like, um, like, with, like, this, basically with the virus and stuff like that and the players going on? Like, I've been thinking about that. Like, is it a good idea to have those guys interacting? Like, you can't really distance on the field. So it's something that I've been thinking, like, I think they've been, unless they're, like, socially isolating themselves before matches, is it kind of, like, risky, I think. For sure. I'm I mean, sure they, like, we've been, sure we've they, been talking uh, about it on the, on the show a little like, bit before. Like, multiple tests sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like, was saying that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kanija was saying he gets like two to three tests like a week or something. Exactly, yeah. Like, there's like new, for the Premier League at least, um, I'm getting like updates like every couple of days of like, oh, there's been like one new um, COVID positive mm-hmm. test or whatever. So like they're testing like basically um, every like second day sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, they're taking it very seriously. I, I mean, they, they're t- kind of following after the uh, Bundesliga, which is why I actually asked, because they were the first league back, at least major league back, um, and they did a pretty good job of it, and people are saying, um, like, a lot of the other leagues are trying to follow what they've been doing, and hopefully it'll be all right and be contained, but it does bring into question, I mean, maybe you guys will be able to bring some insight into this as well, but... What do you guys think of about the the idea of footballers getting testing uh, done as a priority, as opposed to uh, maybe some other people that might need testing? Yeah, true. Good, good topic. That's an interesting one. I think like there shouldn't be priority based off of like your athletic ability and your career path. I think people probably like those who are work closely with elderly people and stuff like that should be held at a much like higher like it should be more imperative that they get tested. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyone yeah. else? Like, I don't know. It's like with anything, money talks. So, like, the amount of money that's pumped into each one of these huge leagues, they're obviously going to ensure that they're really getting tested, like, every possible second sort of thing so that they can, or like, they just, like, lose at least one money as possible sort of thing from the situation. So, yeah, like, definitely, like, true. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be that way, but... That's just the reality yeah, of it. Sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. A lot of countries don't have uh, public health care, too, so it just comes down to who can pay the most for a test, so they could literally go to the states, go to any one of the private health companies. And yeah. yeah, I don't think they're, they're, they're taking any of the resources. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope they're not, right? I, I really don't know about the logistics within each country, but I think, like you said, Shelby, right, certain leagues, they have enough money within their teams that they do that testing frequently enough. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting to see because it does bring up a lot of ethical issues and a lot of a big debate, and I didn't want to get too deep into that. Um, but, yeah, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on, on leagues coming back? I mean, uh, Jesse, we talked a little bit about it before. Uh, I know you are you can't wait for uh, Liverpool to come back and grab that title, celebrate in front of the empty <laughs> stadium. Well, that's <laughs> uh, you guys to get your first title, even if it's like a constellation title, but, you know, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy for you guys. Um, you get to take home the plastic trophy. Won't count like the rest of them, but no, I don't know. I think it'll be good. I think you guys are going to win it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, and I think. I think so. Some, some other leagues are, are are super tight right now as well. I was looking at La Liga, like we were talking about, is coming back next week, and uh, Barcelona I think is only two points up on Real Madrid, which I was kind of shocked by because. They're both having not too great seasons, but they also have like a 10-point gap on the next teams. 
and the Champions League fight there is really tight. So what are you guys' thoughts? Have you been keeping up with any of the other leagues? I'm not sure if you're saying Portuguese League. Is it tight up there? Yeah, it's like a two-horse race right now. Like, sporting's kind of motivated. And it's between Porto and Benfica right now, mm-hmm. which it's been, like, the last couple of years. Um, and so it'll be kind of interesting. Like, there's, like, a three-way rivalry in Portugal. It's, like, Benfica and Porto are rivals, so Benfica and sporting are rivals, not as much Porto and sporting. Okay. So it's kind of like Benfica kind of gets both of them. So who are you um, a fan of? Uh, my family, so half my family. Benfica, baby. Yeah, half my family's sporting, half of it's Benfica, but my brother and I are both. We don't talk. We don't talk to the sporting half. We don't talk to <laughs> yeah, it's serious. <laughs> Listen to Divided City. Yeah, fair. So we had, we had to we had to pick our colors. That's that's one of the most underrated rivalries I think in in world football. I think a lot of it gets overlooked a lot of times. In uh, is the Portuguese rivalries. Oh, yeah. yeah, there there used to be a thing on the national team on the Portuguese national team where the Porto players had to sit in a different half of the bus so like you had all the international players that would sit in the middle and then the Porto Portuguese players sat at the front of the bus and Benfica the back of the bus and they had everybody in the middle because the players couldn't stand each other that's crazy I wonder if that would flare up during practices I mean I'd have to during training oh yeah I mean, we sort of kill each other so imagine if you actually hated each other yeah definitely yeah <laughs> I mean, let's make sure he's not listening to this, but um, <laughs> we won't we won't share it with him. Fair enough. Um, so uh, we were talking a little bit about footy, how footy's coming back. Uh, Portuguese league coming back this weekend, La Liga. Uh, the weekend after, I think, Syria and Premier League might be coming back. The weeks after that. Um, we also, uh, I think we're all big fans of the NBA. I think, I don't know about you guys. I'm a Raptors fan. Which, uh, oh, do you yeah. guys, which teams do you guys support? Oh, okay. I'm going to start. I'm a LeBron James fan. I will follow him to whatever city. If, he, if LeBron James moves to Venice, I'm a fan of the Venice basketball team. So that's uh, where I stand with that. That's commitment. Uh, I got to well, admire Lakers that. Are gonna win. Lakers are going to win the 22 team uh, tournament that they're going through, so. Shelby, what about you? <laughs> I'm Toronto. Yeah. Don't just just hop on his back and fall around like a, a sheep. No, I'm on his back. Like, he, he piggybacks me like no other. <laughs> oh, Ronaldo. <laughs> oh, Ronaldo too. Yeah. I was. Yeah, exactly. United, Real Madrid. I didn't really fall into Juve though. Like I feel like now, I just respect him. He's a goat. We just leave it there. You know, we really got to talk about that. <laughs> the goal conversation is like in some same with LeBron though. You don't gotta talk about that goal conversation. Like it's just clear. So. Oof! Oh man, let's yeah, not let's not get into that. Let's not sure what to say that. Let's save that for another day. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a hot topic. <laughs> definitely, um, especially with the last dance coming out recently. Did you guys watch that at all? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I thought I thought I thought Jordan pumped his own tires a little bit too much, but definitely agree. I, I respect I respect his greatness, but I think I prefer not that they're better, but I prefer LeBron and Kobe in the sense that Kobe was a little bit less talented, but worked way like worked at worked anybody, and then right. LeBron just makes other people around him better. I feel like Jordan was kind of just like yeah. I, I agree. I think I think that was one of the things that, like, when I when I started the documentary, I like kind of went in with this preconception of who Michael Jordan was, and like, 
kind of that personality he had based on like how people i don't know based on how people would portray him in social media and some of the things you would read about him and then you as you're watching yep. this you're like hoping that it would kind of take that away but if anything it almost reinforced it and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but i, I agree i kind of agree with you jesse that i i think there's different ways to lead a team and he went by the lead by example route which is i mean if you want to argue kind of how um cristiano ronaldo goes um and yeah. LeBron kind of takes the team route and trying to tries to push his team yeah, a, uh, and tries to make his team better. That's a good comparison. I like that comparison. Uh, kind of like Leo Messi, right? Like, if you want to compare them in that way. But if, I mean, I'm probably taking opposites in that, in that, uh, in the pick for the greatest on that. Um, yeah, so what are you guys' thoughts on the NBA potentially coming back? I think it's awesome. Like, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. It's going to be tough. Like, so the way they're doing it is so... I believe the eighth and the ninth seed in the East are going to battle for the last spot. So they're playing eight more games to like decide the final standings. Right. But it'll be tough in the West because I'm a Portland fan, and we had so many injuries all year, so we didn't really have a full team the entire year. There was one point in the season for a five-game stretch where we only had one of our starting five players healthy. Yeah, so is, is Joseph Nurkic going to be back? For us. Yeah, Nurkic back, Collins is back. The only player, the only injury we have right now is Rodney Hood, who, who's a really important player for us. Game changer. Game against Denver. I saw him get some nuggets last year. But, yeah, no, at least he gives us a chance, which is all we were asking for. That's what Dame Lord was saying. He's like, I'm not going to play if there's no point. Well, there's a point now, so right. we're going to get out there. 11, 11 or 12 teams or something from the West. Yeah, and then they're going to all compete. Then they're gonna all compete for the right. I think I think, I think it's weird. something like, like the way they're doing it is like it's like a head-to-head, like a double knockout where like Ooh. the team that's in ninth has to win two games against the team that's in eighth. Okay. Well, I I think I but think they're like confusing. that was one of the ideas they were like throwing around, but like I think one of the other ways they were they were like suggesting of doing it was like having like this weird system of like games behind where like if the team in ninth place is, like, within four games behind of the team in eighth place. They go into, like, some head-to-head playoff in order to decide that spot. Um, it's, like, that's, like, one of the other ways they were suggesting of doing it. And it, it just seems like, I mean, I have no problem with, with doing it this way and, like, trying to figure out a solution, trying to get back to uh, figuring out, like, uh, finding a champion, even if it is a bit of a weird season. But it seems like a bit of a weird... Mm-hmm. It seems like the time the time to experiment for me, you know, to try like a, a larger for playoff sure, format. Sure. I was hoping I was hoping for a larger playoff format. What about you guys? I got I got two words for you, for y'all, but what, what's gonna happen? <laughs> Alex Caruso. <laughs> two words. Oh, oh, no. No. Yeah, my finals like, MVP. Nobody, finals MVP. The funny thing is because Portland's so deep and they have experience, like out of those teams. I'm not saying we're going to go all the way, but unbiasedly, that's not a team is expecting to have to play in the first round. Like a healthy Portland team with two all-star caliber centers, an all-star caliber shooting guard, and a superstar point guard. Like, right. So then, cool. so then, Jesse, who do you have? Who, I'll, maybe I'll ask for each of you guys. We'll go one by one. Jesse, who do you have in the Western Conference Final? Uh, I'm not going to bet against my own squad, so we're going to go for it. <laughs> I'll have to see the way it's all laid out, but, like, 
I think based on how it's traditionally gone, I would imagine we're going to go, we're gonna go Portland versus Clippers. We're Portland sweep them. Clean sweep over the Clips. Whoa. And then in the East. I'm going to make this incredible podcast to do that. It's all right. It, it's not the first time. Milwaukee Raptors. Milwaukee Raptors, yeah. Who do you have coming out of? I like, I like Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I, I got I gotta admit, I think Milwaukee has it this year. I mean, over the Raptors, but you never know, right? You never know. Nick Nurse is such a good coach that he might be able to pull something off. Chris Boucher's gonna poster Giannis for a game. Never gonna, never gonna recover from that. That's his career. <laughs> <Mentally> scarred. <laughs> uh, okay, Luke. What about I you? Think, I think it's, I think it's gonna be. It's tough to say the West. Lakers are coming through. That's all we know. And I, 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 I would expect strongly it's gonna be Clippers, Bucks in the finals, or it's gonna be Lakers, Bucks in the finals. Okay. So. And then either way, I think, I think Lakers, I think Lakers. Lakers Bucks. Or was that the first one you said? Sorry. Lakers. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think Lakers take the Bucks in seven. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's a that's a pretty good prediction. That would be an awesome series to see as well. Rondo yeah, averages like, like non non biased. I think the Clippers like standing is a better squad. It's deeper. Like their bench is so deep, and that compared right. to the Lakers, like we got some room for improvement. Well, the Lakers we just kind of picked up some star power for their bench, but the Clippers actually picked up role players, important, hard-working players at more. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, yeah. P-Bev, for sure. P-Bev is... I'll just, I'll just say P-Bev is, like, one of the best lockups. Like, for the playoffs, that's, like, a math you could chuck. Like, he's just in your face all game. Right. Don't disrespect P-Bev like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making cross-sport references. <laughs> but, no, seriously. Even like the highest level players, like LeBron, like, he, like LeBron is probably the hardest player to get in, into their head. And right. He just like, he worries me that way. That's, my That's true. Shelby, what about you? Who, <laughs> do you? who do you have coming out of the East I'm and West? Saying, I'm gonna go for a wild card here. Okay. Um, sleep on the Heat, maybe. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. okay. Part, the culture. Yeah. <laughs> Got Duck and Rob culture flashing trees. Yeah. No, um, I, I can see it. Okay. Eric okay. Polstra. Yeah. Tackle G. No, never, never bet against Spolstra. Man, Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo, Adebayo most improved player, yeah, probably. He's a machine, dude. Probably most improved yeah, this year. Yeah, machine. Yeah, like, for sure. I think they went, like, they got really hot for a while. Like, they went on a huge win streak, so if they just get hot again. Tyler Hero? Jimmy Buckley's a real leader, too. Yeah. I think they're going to on that. Yeah, I forgot about Toronto there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'll do the story, the storybook finish for Miami up against. Yeah, I like the underdog. I'm just, <laughs> man, I'm just trying to go crazy here. Yeah, who are you coming out of the West? I, I like, I, I, I like from the West as an underdog. I want to see Luca go far. <laughs> I'd love to see the Mavs. Yeah, I would, like, I would say that. From, no from, one would be sad about that. 
No one in the NBA would be sad about that. Yeah, true. I would. Portland. <laughs> okay, here you go. I got the fi- I got this finalized. Toronto against Miami in the East. Miami squeaks by on some like ref miss call or something. On three bounces on a rib. <laughs> yeah. Little four bounces. <laughs> and then out of the East, we're talking. I don't know. I could see LeBron just tweaking his back or something. Mm. Oh my! Second round. How could you say that? We got we got Clippers against Dallas in the Western Conference Finals, and then Clippers move on. Nice. Well, uh, just to just to point on just to put on what you said there about LeBron potentially like tweaking his back. I mean, you said it as a joke, but that is one of the concerns for a lot of people with these yeah, players no. coming back and especially the for older sure. players, for right? Sure. They've been talking about like not yeah. being as active. Yeah, good, this point. good point. So you never know, right? You never know. An older team might struggle in yeah. that situation. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, they, don't have, they don't have a deep bench either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh. you, you lose a few of those star players, right? Playoff like, Rondo. Never sleep on playoff Rondo. <laughs> that's ever. true too. That's true too. Okay. No, 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 no. Playoff, playoff <laughs> Rondo is actually a thing. Playoff Rondo, I saw it firsthand. Oh, yeah, he built different. It's a thing. Yeah. You don't want that. You don't want play. There's zero percent chance. There's a zero percent chance playoff Rondo and P-Dev don't get into a fight. It, that's impossible. That's, <laughs> like they are gonna brawl every single game. This could be yeah. Oh yeah. That's gonna be a, That's literally a derby. Yeah. World's fastest. Oh yeah. The world needs it. The world. The, but the world also needs Portland to win. So. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 no. I think that other than Dave Hahn, Dave Dollar, DJ, Hello. Yeah, I'm working. Hello. Yeah, yeah, a perennial winner in Mellow. Yeah, we're DJ, we're that's GTJ, Aunt Connie, then you got Hassan, Whiteside, Ian Gordon. Yeah. All of them. Oh, Mello has a gold medal. Yeah, none of them is tough. Clutch Mello, man. Wow. Hoodie Mello coming in. Look at the team that won that gold medal. Yeah, he carried that team. He didn't carry that team. Bunch of scrubs otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Uh, Never read out the championship. What are you saying? Of course, I don't have to. I pray to go about being. Yeah, go about being. I want for a reason. Grandpa. I'm making it. See what happens. Just put pause on your head. I did like yeah. that. Trey Young tried that. Yeah, I don't I mess like with an old head. Just a grumpy old man. I ain't grumpy. Just don't muck, don't muck about. <laughs> don't muck about. So if he tried that nonsense on me, I just put him in the fourth row. Dude, he's passing. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I feel like, oh, the, I feel like the big show is picking up Ray Mysterio. Just tossing him. Absolutely not. Man, not having that. You guys are full of the cross-sport references, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're coming at you. All right, let's transition into some wrestling talk now, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Me and Jesse in the backyard, you should see it. Oh, oh man. That's a one-way affair. Choked him out three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Choked him out in two and a half. That seems like a bit of a mismatch, but that's all right. Oh. Um, okay, so we're, uh, we're talking about the NBA. Maybe we should, uh, use that to transition into some of the more, uh, more heavy subject matter that we, uh, should, uh, talk about and properly address, which is, um, 
I mean, I, it, it does relate to it. I, I think Jesse talked about it earlier uh, before the show started. There's uh, a bunch of NBA stars like Steph Curry, uh, who was another DeMarcus Cousins, you were saying, Jesse? Clay Thompson. Yeah, a bunch, a bunch of them are going out right. and protesting, like, yeah. more than I can even think. Like, Trey Young, yeah. Yeah. Jalen Brown drove seven hours from Boston to go to, uh, where was it, Atlanta to protest. Wow, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I, all the NBA stars and not only NBA stars, stars and anybody who has a voice was really trying to get out there right now and make a statement um, as far as the Black Lives Matter uh, movements are concerned. Obviously, a lot of... Um, shocking things that we've been seeing this last week and uh i mean over the last decades since we've been alive really we we haven't really been aware to it until we got a little bit older but um what are you guys' thoughts just initial thoughts on everything that's been going on i think first i think this is go ahead go ahead Jesse. i think first and foremost it's just time for a change i think that there's been a lot of people oppressed for a long time um, I'm not a visible minority, so if I have a cop behind me, I get a little bit nervous, but it's not like I'm shaking, and I hear stories of, like, people I know or, like, YouTubers that I'm watching, they're all like, yeah, I literally shake for the cop. Like, I've never had to live that level of stress and anxiety, so, like, I can't imagine. I don't envy that position to be forced to be anxious like that. Um, it's tough. It's awful, and I think it is time for change. It's time for people to be held accountable. I think, and at the same time, I understand there are a lot of good cops. I'm not going to come out here and say, I don't think anybody's saying that. Um, at least somebody that's coming from a place of education, but that it needs to be addressed. And I think for the first time in our lifetimes, we're seeing protests not so far away and even in our own city that are bigger than anything we've ever seen. Like our parents kind of had like, whether they're protesting Vietnam or protesting um, Korea or whatever the case may have been, um, we're kind of seeing something unique for our lifetime right now. For sure, I uh, I think it's a it's pretty unique for I think every lifetime. From what I hear from media outlets, from people who talk about it, um, I think I, I remember one of my buddies was asking me or, or just texting me. When the first riots were starting in Minnesota, he texted me something like, are you seeing what's going on in Minnesota? And I said, yeah. He said, I can't believe like something has gotten to this point or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly. But I remember saying, you know, this isn't the first time. You know, this, this isn't the first time that it's happened. It's just, will it actually make a difference? You know, I, I related to all these stories I hear about from, the, from history, right, from the past. Um, Shelby, I think I cut you off there. What were you going to say? Um, yeah, just like, I feel like right now it's like, just like the perfect environment for just like catch fire, like spread sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, just with like everybody, like most people still like being at home and stuff and like still just like not really to distract them. Yeah, very good like, point. Yeah. It, yeah it's, like, it's hard not to notice. Like, yeah, literally this is like the perfect environment for actual change to start sort of thing for sure it's hard to just yeah. it's hard to ignore it right now right when that when you don't have as many oh, yeah, things sure. going on uh luke what are your thoughts i like it right now because it's drawing a lot of uh draws a lot of light to the problem like there's been these problems going on for for centuries right in in our own country 
and in, in the states especially, but here it's not it's not exclusive to the states. It's here too. Mm-hmm. But I'm I want I really want this to transition into institutional changes in the government. I think that's the only thing that's really going to start to help these types of problems. Yeah, and I think that stems from education. Is the first one people need to be educated on the history of uh, people of color, minorities, racism. That needs to be part a huge part of the social studies curriculum. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like we learn a little bit about First Nations and Aboriginals, I think we really need to learn about these things. And that's the only way. When kids grow up learning, and this is part of their foundation of belief, is knowing what happened. And um, not only that, but also the institutional side of the funding of, like things like funding of education. Like right. schools' performances will dictate how much funding they'll get from the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's just so perfect. Like, the, the schools that are performing the lowest are usually in the most impoverished areas, and those are the places, the schools, that require the most help and assistance, and they're just not getting it. Right. Yeah. And that's people, like, when you're in those spots, you need that, that leg up, right? So I think there needs to sure. be a lot of reform in, in, in government, and that's when the only real change is going to start to happen. Like, it's amazing that people are getting out and they're being active on social media and they're active in their communities marching and demanding change, but the only change that's really going to come is once the government and policies are implemented to improve conditions, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think think to build on that, it's important for people to educate themselves um, politically. So for a lot of people I know, especially in our province, many provinces too, people um, are educated politically by their parents and grandparents. um, And the, the... the way that they voted and the decisions that they made um, and the decisions that their elected officials made have led to what we're seeing right now, this degree of racial inequality. So I really challenge people to start to question pre-existing political beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're on the left or right is irrelevant, but just really analyzing and the people you're going to vote for and ask yourself if the person is a genu- genuine ally of minority groups. Um, I think that's really important because all this protesting stuff is super good and it's raising a lot of awareness and it's making people's voices heard, especially in the states where you have a semi-tyrannical government going on. Yeah. Um, Great way to but describe I think, it. Like, in, in Canada, it's like educate yourself on your vote because it matters. And like, true. Yeah. You sure. can't continue to elect officials that are going to repress minority rights and and put forward the same chief of police, put forward the same... Yeah. sort of budgets and uh, institutional ideals that have caused us to be where we are right now. Definitely. Right now is like the time to do this learning stuff. Like literally so many resources are just being like pushed in front of your faces on social media. Like it's hard, it's literally like you're, you're actively going out of your way not to learn if you don't. For sure. I think, I think. Find any sort of way to kind of get more out of this. I completely agree. I, I like anytime I find myself doing anything that I consider a distraction or, or that something that I would normally do, like watch a TV show or whatever, I find myself thinking, why am I not trying to educate myself more on these issues? And I think that alone is just kind of an, uh, that level of awareness is kind of picking up in everybody. And uh, hopefully, as far as that's concerned, it can push on to different ethical issues. I mean, obviously, address this issue. We need to address it at the right now, and we need to be able to yep. get on top of it. And while we, while we can, like you said, Shelby, the, the time is right. Um, and hopefully, it'll actually be able to enact some change. I think in a place like the U.S., like you said, Jesse, the government is difficult to push. But, I mean, yesterday, for example, with all the um, – I mean, today is Wednesday uh, – sorry, Wednesday, June 3rd. 
and yesterday on uh, Tuesday, June 2nd, social media was filled with the, uh, with the blackout posts. Um, and I, I definitely posted one as well, but I think an important part of that was a lot of people were posting, like you said, awareness links, places that you could go to donate, places you could go yeah. to learn more about these things. Um, were there any examples that you guys can think of that you guys want to give out right now? There was one. Um, I forget. Even, even if it's just exactly. a link or even if it's just a post or, or somebody's page you can go to in order to learn more about the, the post you saw. Yeah, so there's a guy who I had a conversation with um, on my Instagram live, which we'll touch on in a bit. For sure. Instagram is D-N-A-C-E-Z. Um, hmm. Educated on the subject. He's constantly... Um, sharing posts on how you can support, how you can help. Um, his name's B, great guy. Uh, very passionate about the subject too, so you're going to get a lot of information from him. Nice. Um, and I think other than that, just look to politicians who uh, don't necessarily abide by specific political norms. Um, people who really push, like in the States, Andrew Yang is somebody, he was protesting in the streets the other day, like he's not afraid to get his feet dirty. Mm. Um, and he's posting a lot of good stuff, even... Uh, I don't want to get too like specific about political ideals, but even somebody like Bernie Sanders, who even though he doesn't run his own Instagram account, he's uh, his whole team is kind of geared towards, uh, I guess, this, supporting this cause. Uh, he was protesting back in the day for non-segregated dorm rooms in universities. So just look at yeah, history, and then people who are really invested in this long term. I think those are good people to follow too. Right. Yeah, uh, Shelby, Luke, do you guys have any examples or anything? Uh, yeah, I found I found one uh, Instagram page that I saw like a bunch of people uh, sharing mm-hmm. these past like three or four days. Uh, it's called the Unlearning Channel. Yeah. And yeah, it's just got like a ton of resources um, focusing on race issues, but just like. Um, bring up like a random post here it's like by center intervention for harassment and stuff like that just like a lot of ethical issues that are going on in the city like obviously right now um they have a lot more resources on um how to help like black lives matter movement and the uh people of color but yeah they have like a lot of cool stuff on there right right uh luke do you have any examples yeah i'll go with a little bit of a different perspective on it in terms of talking to to people you know, your friends, people like that. Talk, Open up the dialogue, conversation about mm-hmm. personal lives you've never had those talks about before. Try to normalize the, the conversation around it. And I think that's another really good one. You know, when it's, when it's someone you know really well, like a family member or someone close to you, a really close friend, you say, hey, like, I'm, I'm curious. I want to know more about this. I want to know more about And if they're comfortable, obviously only if they're comfortable talking about it. Yeah. But I think that's a super interesting dialogue, and that needs to become a more normalized conversation between people. So I would, I'm going to go with the route of not necessarily like an internet uh, perspective, but just talking to talking to people around you, get to know people and and uh, for who they are and what they've been through. Definitely, definitely, very good point. Um, any more examples that you guys wanted to throw out? I think one last thing is just be careful with your sources. Um, yeah. Make sure that it's a good source because you have a lot of white nationalist groups right now that are creating fake accounts that are looking to incite violence to belittle a cause. Don't fall for that. Nobody who really cares about this cause is going to um, 
that's probably the purpose of it. So sure. your best to avoid that. And then I'm doing something on my Instagram live. I'm going to do two or three of them a week. I've, I've just done one with my friend D, as I mentioned before. But basically, it's just a conversation with uh, somebody of a minority group mm-hmm. in Calgary. And basically, we just chop it up for anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour and just talk about racism in Canada. Um, my first guest was awesome. People seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah, it was we talked good. about things that majority groups like white people uh, can do to avoid making people feel uncomfortable. We talked about his personal experiences with racism. We talked about things that he thinks we can do to make uh, minority groups more comfortable. Mechanisms that currently exist institutionally that cause um, specific minority groups to feel repressed or um, reach the best of their potential. Um, and it was a super great conversation, and I had a lot of people messaging me after saying, oh, we learned so much, we really appreciated it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I just ask questions and they answer. I don't really try to take too much part in it, because again, this isn't my job to speak on this, it's my job to in and make my uh, stance clear, but I really want this to be a platform for individuals um, to share their experiences with racism and kind of make it clear to Canadians that it does exist here and how they can help. Um, and yeah, if anybody who is listening to this or anybody else knows anybody who might want to hop on, you can uh, add me on Instagram. Uh, I think it's jessed7. And yeah, I'm happy to have anybody on. I'm going to keep doing them uh, two or three a week, like I said. So if anybody feels like listening or watching to them, um, you're more than welcome. Yeah, I can I confirm it's jesse underscore ds7. There you okay, go. good. Good to have Shelby here. Yeah, proper plug. Just trying to help with the plugs here. Yeah, proper plug <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, no, I, I listened to the first episode. I, it was a really well done. I, uh, I think you guided the conversation really well. And definitely, like I said, it's a, it's a tough topic, um, especially when you're talking to people. Like Jesse, like Luke was saying, it's super important to be able to talk to the people around us to, so that we gain exposure to these issues because I, I don't know why, but it doesn't seem like the media does a very good job of portraying these um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend anybody that, uh, that does go into, uh, or that does want to learn, uh, hear these stories and hear more about this issue to, uh, go to Jesse's Instagram one more time. That's Jesse, J-E-S-S-E underscore Diaz, D-I-A-S seven. Um, go follow him. All those videos are going to be available on Instagram live. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so my next uh, one's on Friday, and it's gonna be with uh, another friend of mine named Patson. Nice, yeah. Um, looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it'll be on the same day that uh, this will go out. But uh, yeah, uh, hopefully everybody will be tuning into that. I really hope uh, that can gain some traction because it's a super important thing, and I'm really happy that you're doing that as well. So how did you how did you decide? to uh to do that or when did you when did you decide to do that so when we started and this is it's funny i keep saying this but it's another thing we'll talk about later but yeah. when i ended up starting a charity with a few friends um mm-hmm. it kind of clicked the light in my head where i'm like if you have an idea and you want to do something like celebrities and like entrepreneurs and like successful people constantly say this but i never recognized it as a truth but if you have a good idea mm-hmm. literally just run with it so and i'm not saying it's a good idea but it's a good idea. We'll say it is. Can't confirm. Can't yeah. confirm. We'll say it's but a good like, idea. It's just like if you have if you have an idea, 
run with it and like don't be afraid of it failing and like yeah. ideas and then I would just go oh it won't work for this reason and you're going to have that sometimes where there's going to be holes that you can poke through it but just like let those happen through its natural course if you have an idea run with it like I've come up with a few different ideas over the course of this whole quarantine thing mm-hmm. and I have a bunch of projects that I'm kind of working on on the side and that would be my recommendation to other people just is like try stuff like there's nothing wrong with trying there's nothing wrong with starting something so if you have an idea for a business if you have an idea for anything just like run with it and go with it um mine wasn't profit oriented i don't want to make i'm not making any money from it i don't want to make any money from it uh that's not what it's about at all it's just about giving people a platform to speak about their pain and their hurt and educate those around me so if anybody else has any good charitable ideas do them because it just takes a second of motivation to actually definitely I think the, let the dominoes start falling. I think the uh, the protests are the perfect example, right? It's it's action. It's it's taught us that we need to act if we want to be heard. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yep. we don't want to get it to the point where we need to be in the streets consistently uh, protesting. Um, is there anything you guys wanted to talk about regarding the Black Lives Matter before we take a little break? I just like what you said. I want to like uh, reconfirm what you just said about like actions. Like, like talk is cheap. Go out and just just do something. If if you believe in something, just just do something about it. Doesn't even if it's a bad. Like you want to obviously optimize your efficiency and be and do good things that are going to be efficient and whatnot like that. But you really just want to do something, and then it's just going to like spiral effect from there. You know, anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like I promise, if it's a positive idea, if it's a positive plan, people will come and flock to it and join you. Like it's not like like, oh, I have this idea, but I don't think anybody's going to want to participate with me. Like, I can promise you that there's a lot of people out there that you might not consider as somebody that would want to be involved in whatever, but they're out there. So, For sure. yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. And I think one last thing is just, like, recognize if you're part of the majority, if you're a white person in Canada, or even if you're not, but you see racism or microaggressions or um, inappropriate behavior, like, now is the time that it's become unacceptable to not speak out about it. Um, anytime I've been at a club or um, around certain people um, who use racial slurs, whether it's as a quote-unquote joke or whether it's they're saying them during a song, I think now is the time to just say, hey, it's not cool, like, these things don't seem super important necessarily, but one, if there's somebody of background around you, it might make them super uncomfortable. So at that element, it's just selfish. And then the second part being, it starts to desensitize the word, which starts to desensitize the issue. So if you hear somebody saying something inappropriate, if they're singing a song and they say a word shouldn't say, don't be afraid to call them out. It's not always fun. It's not like I do it fairly regularly and it doesn't make me the cool guy it doesn't make me fun to be around but i think it's just now's the time just now's the time to stand up and like show the world your character and your values so um yeah speak against any negative behavior for sure and uh i think i think you're exactly right just to close out the conversation here about the uh, black lives matter protests um i think you made the perfect point there is is it's not fun. It's not something that any of us wants to do. And I think Killer Mike said that when I was watching his uh, press conference in Atlanta. 
he didn't want to be there, but he had to do it. And, um, you know, I, I, yep. I always go back to, I think it's a Malcolm X quote, um, which is stand for something or fall for nothing. And, and that's mm-hmm. what this is right now, right? It's you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And uh, I think, if anything, that's what this protest has taught us. So we'll take a quick little break and then we'll get back into a conversation and talk a little bit about uh, some charity work that you guys have been doing as far as limited access to education. Thanks for listening so far. For a brief break and to help transition into the topic of limited access to education, I wanted to share some segments from an interview I did with my mom for a spring course assignment in which she describes what it was like growing up and being educated in Pakistan, specifically in the context of the challenges women face. So I was lucky enough to belong to a family that was um, very educationally oriented and did give the girls a lot of freedom. The social class you come from made a huge difference. So if you're from a lower income class, from a poor background, uh, you won't have half the privileges that I had or people from upper middle or higher classes have. So there's a big class distinction in Pakistan. Uh, If you look at it way back in the 60s, 70s, when I was growing up, pretty well the same thing if you look back here. You know, men dominated everything, the women's movement, everything was starting around that time. So the thing was women's places in the house and men go out. The fact is that that was a little more ingrained in our culture because culturally also uh, women were supposed to be more... um, you know, well covered, not wearing clothes that expose themselves, whereas boys can go around in shorts and t-shirts and be fine. Even though we were trying to go down new pathways, there was always this fact that uh, women, uh, you know, had to look at a lot of more restrictions and then work through them. We had to work doubly as hard as men. It, it b- brings into pa- a thing who is in power. In a family unit, the men hold the power, okay? So first it's your father, then your brother, and then your husband, right? You are nowhere in that uh, category. So when you are not married, living at home with your parents, your father makes your decision. So again, to bring back the whole thing about, yes, they will allow you to get educated. And I had, uh, to give you an example, I had some really talented friends who went to school with me and were amazingly brilliant but right after fsc they were like well she wanted to become a physician but they're like no in our culture or you know they're from a Patan family they're like no you have you decided you're going to get married so they chose the guy for you you had no say in it and to this day i feel that she's she always feels like she's missed out like she's always looking for things to do but that thing was taken away happened to a lot of friends who still got education but at a certain point the father decided this is it. You don't go any further. Um, even with education, and uh, it's all geared towards, well, you know, one day you'll get mad and this education will come in handy then. A lot of us are made to feel that they are our decisions and you continue happily through FSC and you can go into BSc and do that. But at a certain point, if your father or brother decide, okay, this guy is the best suited for her, she'll get married and that's it. And you drop everything. And you have to drop everything. Whereas for boys, it could be, yeah, he can get married, but then he can still continue whatever he wants to do. So yeah, so culturally, yeah, you can expand as much as you want. You can go play sports, you can do that. But the most important decision about your career and 
the person you marry or want to spend your life with was still not allowed? Um, over the years, definitely from where I was when I was in my teens and going to med school to when I go back now, there's a there's a hundred percent turnaround. It's just amazing how further uh, women have come and how further our culture has come to accepting them in the workforce and allowing them to continue with their education and um, do what they want to do. And regardless, this is the good thing is it's trickling down to the lower classes too. It still is is not equal. It's not the balance. It's still not where we want it to be. The balance still lies a little more weight to what the men think of the family rather than what the young person would yeah I, I mean i just want to make sure it doesn't come across as a doom and gloom situation because i really feel when i go back to to visit pakistan and i see that education is becoming a lot more common a lot of good people are doing a lot of good things to to let the girls come up whether it's all the way up into the northern areas of little villages um you know there are so many associations and so many people that are working very hard because when Pakistan was being built, the biggest thing was with our Sir Sayyid and Qaeda Azam, people who were front runners into wanting Pakistan. The first thing they said was educate a woman so you can educate a generation. And that was huge because if you go back and look at their wives and sisters, Muhtarma Fatma Jinnah, these were women who were standing right beside their men and speeches and stuff. So we suddenly lost that once Pakistan became, uh, we suddenly went back a hundred years. And now we're suddenly coming back and saying, yeah, we had the first prime minister, Benazir Bhutto, right, in the world. So, so I'm not saying it's not, it's all doom and gloom. I'm just saying it still needs a lot of work. Hello and welcome back to Combos with Kamal. Hope you enjoyed our little break. We're back with Jesse Diaz, Luke Diaz, and Shelby Parkinson. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, so we're talking oh, about yeah, the buddy. we're talking about a uh, we were talking a little bit about the Black Lives Matter protest before, and we're uh, transitioning a little bit into a topic that I kind of wanted to talk about as far as uh, bringing a little bit more awareness, as this show is kind of revolving around bringing up awareness. Um, it's a project that they've been working on that I'm super excited to bring up and really excited to hear more about, really. Um, it's the Jua School Project. And uh, Shelby, do you maybe want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so basically what we're trying to do is uh, raise money through donations and the sale of Dark Roast and Nemo's coffee beans. Okay. And uh, a school in Bujumbura, Burundi. Okay. Um, so, uh, Luke, or Jesse, how did, how did this uh, idea start? How did, it, uh, how did you guys have the idea to make this school or, or start trying to fundraise and build this school? It started with, part of the reason why it started was I was applying to law school, and I was constantly looking for ways to get volunteer experience, but I didn't find anything that really matched what the impact that I wanted to have. Right. Um, and I ended up somehow or another getting in touch with a guy that we all know through soccer named Horace Ndebnese. Okay. He just started talking about how we could contribute to charity. And then it slowly began to take shape. So originally, I just asked him. Like, I was trying to help him set up goals. Like, we were just talking about him setting up goals for his life. And then one of the things of his life goals was to open a school. And so I was like, oh, that's an amazing goal. Mm-hmm. So we started planning it, and then we kind of realized, like, wow, we could really make this happen. Um, so we started having weekly meetings at school 
um, he and I, and then my mom got involved into it. Uh, my Forrest and my mom are very close. My mom had a big role in the soccer community. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it just kind of spread on from there. So we ended up having some meetings at my house, and then we started having more people join. Um, and now we're 10 or 15 members strong, and uh, we've been selling coffee for a few months, and we've already sold through our entire entire inventory i think four times now so it's been successful so far but uh we still have one way to go for sure that's that sounds incredible that you guys were able to take that step in order to uh to try to i mean make a dream come true more than anything right um so you you said so where exactly is this being built i think shelby mentioned it but just uh yeah so it's in it's in burundi which is where Burundi, where Arrest is actually born and where his family's from. Okay. Um, and basically, the uh, school, right now, we had, through some family ties, we got access to some property. So we have a, a big piece of property with a school on it now, and the next goal that we have is to get water ran to the school and electricity. Okay. And uh, so things are really picking up and coming together strong. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Nice. Nice. So, so yeah, how, how long Burundi's ago... Also, sorry, go ahead, Kamal. No, sorry. Uh, go ahead, Jesse. Uh, it's also worth noting that Burundi, most people think of Africa as uh, this continent that is fairly regularly going through some difficult times. Um, it's first and foremost with acknowledge that it's a beautiful country, um, ton of history. Mm-hmm. Literally, many people believe that that's where civilization came from. Um, they brought us coffee. They brought us so many amazing things, and so first it's important to acknowledge that. The second thing is that Burundi is actually the poorest country in Africa, um, which is quite staggering to think about. So that's been a big motivator for us, and it's really helped um, our donors and contributors and supporters um, help us even more, which is awesome. And we're also looking to always take on more people who want to help spread awareness, whether that just be somebody who shares our posts, um, there's information on our website, weirdua.ca, that's W-E-A-R-E-J-U-A.ca, um, about becoming a volunteer, and the commitment levels range from sharing our posts whenever you feel like it to coming to meetings, uh, right now virtual meetings, but coming to meetings, uh, helping coordinate stuff, taking roles in the day-to-day operations. Um, but yeah, it's all on our website, so anyone that likes to take a look is more than welcome. For sure. That's uh once again that's weirdua.ca. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah w e r e j u a dot c a. Go check that out. Learn a little bit more about this. Um. So maybe going into a little bit deeper into this issue, why did you guys decide on a school? I know you said that Arrest uh, had a dream to build a school. Why did you guys decide on the school, and why do you think a school is so important to give access to a country like Burundi? It started as an orphanage, actually. That was our original plan. Okay. But the problem with an orphanage, not the problem, but the downside of an orphanage compared to a school is that an orphanage doesn't set up people necessarily for a career further on in life where they can begin to bring income into that nation. Right. So basically what we want to do is educate the students of the Jewish school um, on modern technology uh, as well as some trade skills so that they can not only bring abroad where they can generate more income and bring it back home um, but also creating the 
sustainable practices and businesses within Burundi. A big focus for us is not uh, promoting what's known as brain drain. Basically, when a developing country uh, is struggling to grow because of natural or economic reasons, a lot of the successful people end up making enough money to leave, and then they leave. But our goal is to keep all the brilliant, brightest minds in Burundi and help contribute to that by building a school that encourages people to keep their pride of their nation and that are made in and outside of Burundi. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think education is so important for a country like Burundi? As far as as far as like, you think, it's... like I was a oh. yeah. Go ahead. So kind of sorry. So just like to uh, to touch on like kind of like I was talking about with the Black Lives Matter movement. I think any ingrained, deeply ingrained societal problem stems from education and requires education to fix it. I think that's truly one of the only ways you can really make substantial changes mm-hmm. in um, in a lot of in a lot of aspects of life. So I think get, in, in their youthful days, giving them the right values and and um, tools they need to succeed later down the road is the most imperative thing. To, to really make substantial change in such a poor and, and um, nation that really just needs help. And I think that's the best way to give people a leg up. Um, knowledge is power, and I, and I truly, truly believe that. For sure. And like Jesse was saying, hopefully lead into uh, those people gaining power, gaining more wealth, and hopefully bringing it back in order to help the country in, in other ways as well. Uh, so who's all involved? You said it, it's you three. You said Orest. Is there uh, anybody else that you wanted to mention that uh, that – has a big part in this or has helped a lot in this? Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, so uh, Luke and my mom uh, is part of it, and then a couple people who she knows through her work, which is Royal Page Benchmark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chatim, the awkward community. Him, he and ours both. If you people haven't heard uh, either of their stories, Mm-hmm. Uh, I encourage you to Google whether it's Oreston Dabaneze or Chatim Kurjok. Both of them have really, really, really amazing stories that uh, will put into perspective how lucky we are to live in a country as secure as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they'll appear on your show. Yeah, Chatim's soon. involved. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. They both will. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also worth noting. Taylor uh, Jackson as well is there, and a couple other people. Um, right now, I think we have me, Luke, Shelby, Jill, who's our mom. Um, then we have a couple people from my mom's work. Um, Taylor Jackson, and I think that rounds it out for now. But we have a couple people who are yeah. contributing on the side, like Aurora. Um, mm-hmm. Great, Chris Pittman is the. Uh, is a guy that works with my mom, and he's the one who actually sources the coffee. So he has a, a coffee farm in Tanzania, and that's where we've gotten all of our access to our hand-picked, ethically sourced coffee. Okay. So it, it's kind of cool that we know the farming, we know the farming process, we know the farmer who makes the coffee. Nice. It's not like we just kind of Googled online to find a coffee source. This is, uh, you're really helping support a farmer and his, uh, his well-being and his family and all kinds of things like that. So Chris really helped us out a lot with that. Yeah, it's tasty coffee. Tasty and fair trade. Tasty, fair trade. What one word you want? So Shelby's in charge of marketing. Is what I'm. Is what I'm gathering. <laughs> oh yeah, buddy. Oh, Shelby, Shelby's a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> He's the model. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. I'm the first person. 
So then, uh, just uh, just out of curiosity, what were some of the first steps that you guys kind of took in order to try to get this started? So the first that I can recall was just planning, uh, basically just getting an idea of what we wanted to do. First thing is to ideate and create the concept that you want to bring to fruition. Mm-hmm. It was really just about working our network. So. Like I said, my mom got involved, and then we just asked ourselves who can help us. And Chris and Vanessa are from Africa. They have uh, they lived there for a long time, so they know the area, they know the continent fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought a lot of expertise and a lot of great insight to the conversation. So we worked our network, got some more people involved. We kind of spread our arms out and reached everybody we could. Nice. For that it was just about figuring out what assets we had, what assets we needed and then working backwards and finding ways to generate the necessary revenue to kind of bring our dream to reality. Nice. So then, uh, have you guys ran into any problems or any kind of obstacles in order to try to get your goal going? Um, I mean, obviously funding is probably the most important thing, but um, is there is there anything as far as the, the government in Burundi or anything as far as that that you guys have been dealing with or is that fairly passive and fairly good as far as the the definitely definitely a factor definitely a factor in terms of the uh sheer amount of corruption like working around the the good thing that we have is since arrest is from there and he has family that owns property that's how we source our property Mm -hmm. there's um there's a lot of obstacles to get around and that really helps us get through a lot of those so in terms of transferring money and stuff like that we have his family members there which is a huge piece because we know when we send those wire transfers over there mm-hmm. that it's going to a to a trusted source right. and there's, there's just so much corruption so it, it really is a tricky thing but we're just lucky that we have like a bloodline that goes there nah. so we have a, like 100 percent faith in uh, in the money that's going over there which is uh, i think unique for us in this in this opportunity that definitely, that's definitely. Yeah, and Orson's cousin oversees all the financial stuff, okay. and he uh, lived in Canada for a long time, so um, he was able, while here, to generate enough money to live comfortably in Burundi for quite a long time. Uh, he worked his butt off over here, mm-hmm. and he's there now. He's opening up. He opened up a butcher shop. Um, he um, isn't, and the corruption stuff isn't necessarily out of evil. I think a lot of times people are like, "Oh, there's people stealing money." in these third world countries, but in reality, they're literally, they need the money to feed their families, but the good part about having Patrice there is we know his financials are covered, mm-hmm. um, so we don't have to worry too much about things ever kind of turning south, and he's a great guy too, like, even if things got to the very bottom, we know that he would still put the charity first and foremost, so we're really lucky to have Patrice over there. Nice. Yeah, it's, I think it's that's an important uh, part uh, that you guys have there, is that connection uh, to the source immediately. Um, so I think we were, we were kind of talking a little bit about, uh, access to education and I think it's kind of interesting for us to talk about. I mean, we all grew up in Canada, um, and we all kind of had access to education. We all never really thought about what it's like to live without that access or what it's like to have uh, limited access or go through obstacles in order to reach that, uh, that in order to gain education. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts, and have you guys learned anything as far as the struggles that some of the people in Burundi might go through um, as far as trying to gain education? One of the things that really stuck out to me was uh, when we were doing one of our first dinners, we had uh, dinner meetings at the start when we were getting these ideas going, mm-hmm. and this is right around when the, when the city flooded, and 
flooded, and that's something, when you hear a flood here, that doesn't mean you can't get places. It literally, when that happens and it floods their roadways and their houses, it's it's far more devastating. So things like that, just getting to school, you know what I mean? Like, we've never had to worry about getting, even on the snowiest days, we have cars with snow tires on them, you know? Right. Like, we can always get places. Um, in these third world countries, it's not always the case. Like, even if you have the access, like, the infrastructure, the roads, stuff like that just doesn't exist. So... For it sure. just, it just, it, that part was really mind, mind blowing to me. For sure, there's the physical, yeah, physical obstacles. Just Shelby, what were you saying? Yeah, I was just gonna say that you can definitely, it's like mind blowing to see how different an experience um, growing up and going to school is here compared to a lot of different places in the world. So yeah, I definitely like, take it for granted. And I feel like another issue that we haven't gotten into that much but i definitely think it's going to be i don't know just like a lot of brainstorming how to work around it's just like this supply chain of resources to get to the school sort of thing which is another aspect that you wouldn't even think of like oh like where did these teachers come from for some of the guys like we have yeah hundreds of teachers in every like district of the school or of the city yeah. whereas um like getting teachers there and getting supplies and stuff to um, but Jambora is obviously a lot harder. Definitely. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, anything you guys, any other obstacles that you guys can think of? I don't think so. I think just finding the people that we want to have in the group has been pretty easy. Uh, people jumped out right away, which is awesome. Um, people have been super generous with buying our coffee, and yeah. we have had almost no single time donors. Um, our yeah. purchasers, I guess, they really enjoy the coffee. Um, a lot of our friends come from different backgrounds, uh, European, African, Asian, whatever the case may be, um, Arabic, and they all love their coffee. They drink usually quite a bit of it back home, and they say the quality is good. I'm not a huge, huge coffee drinker myself. I do it black, and I enjoy it. It's quite smooth, but mm-hmm. honestly, we haven't had too, too many problems. That's why I really recommend it. People have an idea. If you want to start a school, if you want to send a school bus somewhere if you want to give kids books in the world country whatever the case may be just like go and try because it's it's been we've had some very good um opportunities come our way which we've taken advantage of thankfully but uh yeah so if anybody out there has an idea that they want to put it out just do it like you lose nothing by trying so it's a long way to go with our school like we have had too many um, immediate obstacles, but we're, we're nowhere near our goal of being able to get the school up and running. We're still really trying to up those sales, and that's really what's going to fund this. So, um, really, if you guys if you guys enjoy a good, I drink coffee every morning at work, and it's always due, and it's delicious. So, if you guys ever are uh, wanting to support a great cause instead of just buying a bag of, of beans, um, Jua Coffee, we are Jua.ca, and, and buy a bag, try it out, would be amazing. Yeah, and we deliver. Yeah, delivery. Contactless Yeah, um, I would I would say one thing though, like um, just in regards to like raising money and stuff. I think um, there's definitely gonna be like a rough patch for us to like make that step up from uh, people who are helping the cause that we don't directly know, sort of thing. Like we're getting like like first tier people that we obviously know personally, and then there's like second tier people that maybe like a family friend or something like that. It's just like that step to get people that cross our paths ever. 
So it's things that like start like getting like the the brand out to them. But I feel like with the quality of the coffee that we have and like just like the quality of the brand or like the charity that we have, I think it'll just be time until more and more people will like know about us sort of thing. For sure. Yeah, I think I think just to podcasts are gonna help us blow. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, some people will go to uh, weirdjua.ca in order to grab some coffee. I haven't done it yet. Uh, I'm guilty. I have to I have to grab a bunch, but uh, don't worry. I've got some plans for as far as Jua is concerned. Um, we'll talk about that some other time, though. Uh, I just want to say though, I I do have to say I really admire what you guys are doing right now, and um, I know, like you said, it's it's definitely not where you guys need to be yet it's just on the at the early steps of it and you guys are making moving very smoothly but i just want to say that like jesse said having that preparation and being able to uh think about how you're going to approach this issue and how you're going to reach out to people who you're going to bring in all the things that we were talking about really shows that you guys have approached this in a very logical way and it seems like as, for, as of right now, it seems like you guys have done a good job and it's hopefully going to keep progressing on. Um, so before we close out this uh, podcast, uh, is there anywhere, is there anything you else, else you guys wanted to add as far as uh, limited access to education or your uh, project is concerned? I would just say that we really, uh, yeah, buy our coffee would be amazing. That's, that's the number one. But no, uh, also Alex Caruso is the GOAT and Lakers are winning the, uh, the playoffs. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Shall I'd we? say if, if, you, or sorry, if Jesse? you enjoy coffee, if you enjoy coffee, uh, give it a shot. Um, and regardless of that, also just kind of keeping with current events, just show some love to somebody that you think might be going through some tough times right now. It's not only a time for change, but it's an emotionally exhausting time for a lot of people. So if you know somebody who's being uh, impacted by this deeply, um, just give them some extra love. Make sure you're doing your thing and limiting racism whenever you can see it. And uh, Canada is a good country in its core. We just have a lot of work to do. But um, as long as we keep our core perceived values of uh, compassion and acceptance, then we'll move in a good direction. So, yeah. For sure. Uh, follow our follow the Jua Instagram, Jua underscore school. Jua underscore school. I will coming soon. I will make sure to post <laughs> all of the links for you guys's uh, Instagram pages and everything in the description for the show. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I better get that verified tick soon. So I'll keep it from the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we need to verify. Is that is yeah, that how it works? I just works? want to thank you, Palma, for the opportunity to talk about this. I just want to say thanks a lot. It's really cool that you guys yeah. brought us on here, kind of promote this, and uh, for sure, thank you guys so thank much. You so much for having us on. No, thank you guys so much for coming on, and I, I'm glad because I mean, the last few episodes, the first couple episodes, um, were a lot more lighthearted. We kind of just hung out and talked around, but considering everything that's going on, I think it's important that we talk about something a little bit more serious. Um, and I really appreciate you guys coming on and being super mature about the whole conversation and, and providing your insights with, with really no fear of, of being, of, of what you're really, you know, no fear. You know, I think that's the thing right now is we can't have yep. fear. We can't be afraid of speaking up, of acting out. We need to be able to stand up for ourselves and for other people. Um, so I'll just sure. conclude the podcast with that and I want to conclude it with the Malcolm X uh, poster and a quote that's hanging behind me 
which is stand for something or fall for nothing. Thank you guys so much for joining me, and tune in next week for a new topic and new guests. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. Maya Angelou. This episode is dedicated to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and every or any victim of the senseless, systemic horror show we've chosen to ignore to this point called racism. <laughs>